Amen. And you may be seated. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 1 uh, through 7. And I'll be reading from the NLT version. It says, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Emphasize a body. Verse 6, You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sins. Then I said, Look, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the Scriptures. So the purpose of his first coming required a body. When Jesus came to this earth, he was clothed with flesh. He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but I came to do the will of him that sent me. His body gave him exposure to human beings that he would come to redeem. He experienced hurting humanity in his 33 years when he walked the earth. He saw the oppressed. He could smell the disease. He heard people's hurts. He saw the injustices of the Roman Empire. He knew exactly the sin and the diseases that he would bear for all of us on Calvary's cross. In Isaiah 53 and verse 3 through 5, it says this, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. The word griefs there is sicknesses. And carried our sorrows or pains. That's the pains in the physical body. That is the pains of life. Sometimes they come our way. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Years ago, F.F. Bosworth wrote the book called Christ the Healer. And he said that Jesus Christ went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body, to redeem mankind, spirit, soul, and body. And aren't you glad that Jesus came? Aren't you glad that he came to redeem you and to redeem me? Aren't you glad that he hung on Calvary's cross and paid the ultimate price for us, spirit, soul, and body? Aren't you glad that he came to give us life and give us life more abundantly? I think we ought to take about five seconds and lift up our hands and thank him. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. We magnify you. Glory to God. Now, in the same way that his first coming required a physical body, his second coming, which is soon and very soon. Well, they said that 40 years ago, but it's sooner now. The signs of the times are pointing to the rapture of the glorious church. And just as his first coming required a physical body, his second coming requires a spiritual body. And that's who we are. And that's where our assignment lies. Because we 
as the body of Christ, we are preparing for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And have you noticed that as a part of his body, there's been some fine-tuning taking place in all of our lives? Maybe there's been some adjustments that have taken place in your life. I know for sure they have in Brenda's. And mine. But it could be just a, a little attitude adjustments. How many of you know that he's helping us to get rid of those spots and wrinkles? So that he can present to himself a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle. What's happening in our lives is holiness is being perfected. Now don't let holiness scare you. The best definition I heard of holiness has nothing to do with hair. It has nothing to do with clothing. But the best definition I've heard of holiness is holiness is simply Christ-likeness. To be like Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says we've got great and precious promises. And because we have these wonderful promises, we are to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit so that holiness can be perfected in our lives in the fear of God. Anybody interested in becoming more like Christ? I am. Because when we see Him, we shall be like Him. Hallelujah. And I like this verse of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now notice the next verse and read it with me. If a man, therefore, will purge himself from these... In other words, purge yourself from anything and everything that is not Christ-like. Purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor. Our assignment as part of his body in the preparation of his second coming is for us to be vessels of honor. And meet. Now the word meet there is an old English term. It means able. And able for the master's use. Oh, the master wants to use us. The master wants to use you. Now notice this. And prepared. Are we prepared for what God has prepared for us? And prepared unto every good work. I want to center in on the fact that we are His body. Notice with me in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. If you notice, I'm coughing. I don't have COVID. I have just a little bit of strain in my voice, but now I'm all good. No, I'm not cold. If you are, that's up to you. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power, notice, to us word who believe according to the working of His power when He raised Him from the dead And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Read verse 21 with me. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And here's what I want to get at. 
in verse 22 in the King James, it says, He's put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the what? He's the head of the church. Now, notice verse 22 and verse 23 in the the NLT translation. Ready? Read verse 22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made Him head over all things. Verse 23. And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Glory to God. So there's a couple phrases that we want to center in on. Number one, head of the church. Number two, He's not only the Savior of the world, but He's also the Savior of His body. I wonder, are there certain pockets in the body of Christ that need some saving? Are there certain pockets in the body of Christ that need restoration? Now, I'm not saying who, where, when, but I'm sure that there are. But what I want you to see is this. We are members. It's not, I'm part of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ corporately. Now, in the world system, there is something that is called individualism. And individualism was coined by a French philosopher. And individualism, basically, he said this. He described individualism in terms of a kind of moderate selfishness that disposed humans to be concerned only with their own small circle of family and friends. In other words, individualism means me, moi, and I, my family, my wife, my two kids, us four, and no more. Individualism. Now, this has been in the world since the beginning of time, since Adam's fall. And so, we see then that individualism can be a hindrance of what God wants to do through His body. We cannot just be fragmented. Well, we're the Word of Faith bunch. And then there's the Methodist bunch. And then there's the Baptist bunch. And then there's the Church of God bunch. And then there's the Catholic bunch. Listen, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be safe. And it does not matter what our differences are. We must not center in on our differences. We must center in on what we do agree upon, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that He is Lord. So we must go from a me, myself minded mindset to a we mindset. Now, when it comes to knowing who we are in Christ on an individual basis, that's very important. So when I'm talking about individualism, I'm not talking about, well, we shouldn't confess and personalize scriptures because it's selfish. No, it's one of the greatest favors you can do yourself. Because therein, you find out your identity in Christ. You find out that you're a new creation in Him. You find out that you're the righteousness of God in Him. 
you find out that you have a place in the body of Christ, that you are an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus, that you are more than a conqueror. And so then, you go from that place of knowing who you are, to be ready and to be a vessel as a part of the whole body of Christ to make an impact on the world. Are you tracking with me today? I know I got preacher's voice, but I'm going to preach anyway. There's a lot of scriptures that in the local church, let's just take this for example, we're not to be selfish. The local church is more about just you. It's more about just Pastor Mark and Pastor Brenda. It's about usins. Is that in the dictionary? It's about weans. It's about us. Now there are, I'm telling you, there's about 59 scriptures in the New Testament that points out the value of a body that comes together and looks out for one another. I'm going to go through a few of them. Are you ready? Here's a couple. And you don't need to bring those up unless I tell you to. In Romans 12.10, it says that we are to be devoted to one another. Now, you can bring that up in the King James. It says this, Be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Romans, another scripture says, Honor one another above yourself. Romans 12.16 says, live in harmony with one another. I love Romans 14.19. The essence of it says, build up one another. Romans 15.5 says, be like-minded towards one another. Other scriptures admonish one another. And I want you to look at Galatians 5.13. Notice this with me. Let's read it together. You go ahead, ready, read. Do what? By what? By love, come to church and just be served. Well, Pastor Mark, I just come to church to get fed. That's good. You should come to church to get fed. But there's also another reason for us coming together. And that is to, by love, serve one another. Years ago, we did a message here at church called, We Have Been Saved to Serve. We have not been saved to sit... We have been saved to serve. Right now, what's happening in this very building, our youth is being served by faithful men and women. Our children in CIA are being served by a faithful group of people that have come to the realization that I'm not just saved to sit, I'm saved to serve. Our greeters are saved to serve. Our worship team is saved to serve. Our ushers are saved to serve. If you pray for this church, you have been saved to serve in the spirit of prayer. If you're in faith for this church, you have been called to save to serve with the spirit of faith. Oh, and together... When we get an understanding 
of why we are here on earth, not just for myself, but I'm here to be a blessing wherever I go. I'm here to serve. You may serve with a smile. You may serve, praise God, by doing this or that. But for heaven's sake, everybody needs to answer the call, I'm saved to serve. Galatians 6.2 says, we're to bear one another's burdens. Here's a big one. Ephesians 4 says, we're to forgive one another. Ephesians 4.2 says, we're to be patient with one another. Look at Ephesians 4.32, and I want you to read that with me. Ready, read. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And we could go on and on and on. Comfort one another. Pray for one another. Employ the gifts that God has given you for the benefit of one another. And so we see all of these things coming together because in a real sense, we are members one of another. Now, I believe this, that the Holy Spirit will help us to have a wider scope and a wider vision for the whole body of Christ. We have a vision here. And that's awesome and that's good. But our scope needs to be elevated for the whole body. And I'll show you exactly what I mean in a moment. Most of the Apostle Paul's letters were not written to individuals. Most of Paul's letters were written to the churches. Let me give you a quick example. In Romans 1, verse 7, he says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 says, in verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. 2 Corinthians 1.1 Paul, an apostle by Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. 1 Thessalonians 1 Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in my raspy voice, I want you to get this. He is not just praying for pastors. No. He is not just praying for leaders. He is praying for the entire body in those churches. <clears throat> Let me take a drink. So the question would be, why are you emphasizing this, Pastor Mark? Because I believe that the Lord wants us to enlarge our vision in our attitudes, in our prayers, not just for our local body, but for the whole body of Christ. And one way, and not the only way, that we can do that is through our prayers. And when I'm talking about prayers, I'm not just talking about ritualistic prayers. I'm not just talking about going through the motions, kind of like some of us did in the denominations that we grew up in. When we get ritualistic, we get religious. And when we get religious, the relationship and the fellowship begins to wane. So what we must do is we must put our heart in these prayers. These prayers that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus These are spirit-directed and spirit-anointed prayers. The Apostle Paul, 
when he prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him. When Paul prayed that, he was not agitated. He was not aggravated. He didn't look at the body of Ephesus and say, Oh God, just give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wasn't angry. He was in the spirit. And so by the spirit, he lashed on to the anointing of the spirit. And he prayed from his heart for the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, for the church at Colossae, for this church, that church, and a lot of churches. He prayed from his heart because he saw what God could do in their lives. And he wanted what was best for them. God doesn't answer angry prayers. I'm not mad about the body of Christ. I'm glad. Because our finest days are about to be unfolded. And God's not limited to the Word of Faith camp. I thank God for the Word of Faith camp. I are one. Do you know God is moving in France right now in the Catholic churches? There's a couple over there that are literally ministering to Catholics. I mean by the hundreds. And the Catholics are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Back in the 80s, Brendan and I were invited to preach during economical uh, season for the Catholic church in a diocese church in Oakland. I'm telling you what, those charismatics were so filled with the Spirit, they outdid us. They were so fired up about the move of God, they were dancing around the communion table. A Catholic dancing? Why not? A Methodist dancing? Why not? God is God, and He's a big God, and He's bigger than us. We are a part of the body of Christ. And so my prayers for the body of Christ, my prayers for you, go on and on and on for this body, for this church. But God has elevated my vision, and He's brought me up. To a higher place in prayer. To I pray for the whole body of Christ. Not just in the Bay Area. Not just in California. Not just in the United States. Not just in Asia. Not just in Europe. But the whole kitten caboodle. The whole world. The whole body. Woo! Glory to God. And this can only be done in and by the help and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with me that the best way for you and I to pray, Spirit-anointed prayers, is in the Spirit, by the Spirit? Now, prayer is a portal. These Ephesians prayers are portals for us to take the steps and to access a place where we are praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen very carefully. When I am here, I'm limited in my vision. This ground could represent praying in a limited manner or in a limited fashion. When I'm on the ground, all I can see is Sherry and Chuck. All I can see is a few individuals. Now, if I look here, 
and look there, I can see everybody. So I'm limited, if you will, in my vision. But oh, thank God, when I take the steps, when I enter that portal through praying the Ephesians prayers, I'm moving up from the ground to a higher place, to a greater platform of prayer where I can see more, where I can pray greater, where I can pray fervent prayers for the whole body of Christ. I can see clearly now. Woo! Glory to God. Oh, see it. Seize it. Know it. The Spirit of God wants to do great things through your prayers. Not only for you individually. Not only for this church. But for the entire body of Christ corporately. Now listen. When you pray this prayer out of a heart of love. Laying aside whatever differences you might have. When you pray this prayer, your perspective of others will change. All judgment, all being critical, all polluted prayers will be no more. Because you're praying from a higher place. You're praying from His perspective. And when you pray from a higher place and from His perspective, you'll see things differently. You'll see people differently. You'll know more. And you'll go more to different places in the... You'll go more to different places in the world. From up here, you can pray Asia. From up here, you can pray Africa. From up here, you can pray Europa. From up here, you can pray Ukraine. You can pray Estonia. You can pray Russia from up here. Oh, folks, let's come on up. Let's come on up higher. Let's pray with a, with a fervency for the entire body. And it's amazing what he'll show you up here. He'll lay a region on your heart. You may see a picture of a person you've never met before. And get their name when you're praying from up here. God is not limited in His scope. So let us come up higher. Let us pray stronger. Let us pray more fervently. Because we are preparing the way for the second coming of Christ. And folks, for this harvest to be what God wants it to be, it takes a whole lot more than me, myself, and I. Are you getting this? I want you to get this today. So, don't make praying from this platform difficult don't talk yourself out of it oh man I know this person there and and this person there man they're just super duper prayers and thank God for super duper prayers but we're living in a day where it's not about the super duper it's about the super one in him in you and so it's not difficult to come up here. It might take some laying things aside. It might take some turning some television off. It may take some effort on your part, but folks, once you've tasted and you have seen and once you have been in the realm of the Spirit, you'll not want 
to go back ever again. For this is the day for my people to live in me and to move in me and to me in me to have their being. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Greater visibility. Everyone say greater greater visibility. My voice is getting stronger. In the 1980s, and incidentally, here's another way that you can easily access the realm of the Spirit. Another way is by reading prophecies of yesteryear and yesterdecade. There have been so many prophetic utterances about the body of Christ coming together and a gathering of the harvest and of days of heaven upon the earth. I mean, I'm talking about the 80s and the 90s that Brenda and I will, will sometimes read. You know, just because something has been prophesied 30 years ago does not mean that it's not for today. You think about Jesus. His coming was prophesied for millenniums. In Genesis 3.15, God spoke and he said, there's one coming that's going to bust your head and you're going to break its heel. But years and years. So just because things have been prophesied 30, 40 years ago does not mean they're not going to come to pass. If it's by the Spirit and in the Spirit, you can bank on it. And some of the prophecies that have been about this church and about the body of Christ help Brenda and I and inspire us because we work as local pastors. We work in the local church. But what it does, it helps us and inspires us and it gives us access to the realm of the Spirit and it stirs us up for what has happened and what's going to happen. Come on, saints. There's a stirring. There's a stirring in the Spirit. So there's access points for us to enter in to the realm of the Spirit. Dad Hagen said in the 80s, he said, in these days, Learning the things of the Spirit are going to be much easier. He said, what has taken some years and years and years to learn, it'll happen much more quickly. Anybody interested? Glory to God. How many of you like the song Waymaker? How's that go? Waymaker? Miracle worker? What? Promise keeper? Light in the darkness? That's who you are. Waymaker? Promise miracle worker? Promise keeper? Light in the darkness? That's. Woohoo! Say it again. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. That is who you are. And because of whose you are, through your prayers, come on somebody. Through your prayers, you make a way for the way maker to do what he wants to do in people's lives and to manifest himself strong and great. He is the way maker. And we are preparing the way of the Lord. Woo! Glory to God. 
Say it again. Waymaker. We know who He is. And we know that we can make a way for the Waymaker <laughs> through Holy Ghost, Spirit-inspired intercession, supplication, prayers for all men, for the whole body. You can pray in Hayward for Communist China. You can pray in Hayward for the underground church. You can pray in Hayward for the Indonesian church. All you hear about Indonesia is Muslims, 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 beheadings, beheadings, beheadings. You never hear in the news that in Indonesia there is the greatest move and greatest outbreak of the Holy Spirit that this world has ever seen. Fancy Caminetti was over there. And people, we've, we've experienced this kind of prayer at Doctors Cho's Church, Prayer Mountain, where people were literally on their faces. And they're not just for minutes, but for hours. All night, all weekend, just praying, praying, praying. And when Tony and Patsy were in Indonesia, they were striking outside. And they were saying, to hell with Israel and to hell with America. That's their posture toward us. But in the church, about 17,000 people. And they had to remove Patsy from the service that day because they didn't want her to be the frosting on their cake. But she got together with the pastor's wife said, how did this happen? Hundreds of thousands of believers praying fervently. How did this happen? She said, because we had no other way. They were desperate. And sometimes when you look at the news, you wonder, is there a way? I say, yay, there is a way. And he is called the way maker. And we can make a way. Come on, saints. We can make a way for things to turn. We can make a way for things to change. We can make a way for Jesus is coming soon. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to say it again. A person praying in the Spirit, by the Spirit, makes a way for the Holy Spirit to be manifested in people's lives. I had mentioned a little earlier that we're going to be going to camp meetings celebrating the 50th year. What an honor, what a privilege, and what a blessing it has been to sit under Kenneth e. Hagin's ministry Basically, from the time I got born again. And he's still my spiritual father. Somebody says, yeah, but he's in heaven. Well, just because he's in heaven doesn't mean he's any less my spiritual father while he was here on earth. I mean, my dad, John L. Thomas, left in the 80s, but he's still my dad. But one of the things that Dad Hagen, I mean, he was stirred to his very core. He was stirred to activate the members in the body of Christ. Oh yeah, he had a lot of ministers. But his number one stirring was to activate the body. That's why he didn't title his book, The Pastor's Authority. Or The Leader's Authority. No, it's the Come on. It's the believers. It's what? The believers' authority. 
Oh, what would happen if believers would take their place and exercise their authority and exercise their dominion and take the name which is above every name and apply the blood of the Lamb to this land and to that land all over the world. What would happen if we could just go from here my PG&E bill. My pet who just went to the vet. If we could just go from this narrowness to a wider place. To a broader place. To a higher place. Come on. Higher place. Pastor Tom, it's called higher ground. Higher ground. That's where we're going. And so what's happening is Jesus is activating his body to flow together. He's causing his body to be glorious. To be without spot or wrinkle. Can you handle a few more moments? The glorious church must be coordinated under the head of the church. In the body of Christ, we must not have rogue members trying to activate things in the flesh without the head. A flesh can go nuts without the head. Not just doing our own thing, going our own way. Patsy Caminetti is from Australia. And during the pandemic, she got a word from the Holy Spirit, and I want to give it to you. The Holy Spirit showed her that in these days, there's going to be a collaboration of operations in the kingdom of God. Everyone say a collaboration of operations in the kingdom of God. Now there's all sorts of functions. There's all sorts of operations. There's different groups here and different groups there and wonderful things are happening. But now there's coming a collaboration under the head of the church, coordinated by him, of the operations of the Spirit through the body of Christ. Don't you know, folks, that things are speeding up? Things are speeding up in the kingdom of God, and things are speeding up in darkness. In darkness, there is a collaboration of operations where they were disjointed here and disjointed there and disjointed here and disjointed there but during the pandemic there came a coming together of darkness and their gears were working together to fulfill an antichrist agenda but let's not think about that let's think about the gears of glory Let's think about the gears of glory. Let's think about the goodness of God. Members of His body, the glorious body, with many operations coming together for the glory of God. Sometimes if you get get time, Google it. Look for the Tommy Hicks vision and prophecy. Of 1963. Oh my gosh. If I had time, I'd I'd read it to you, but we would be taking too much time. But the things that are about to happen in these last days, and the cool thing about it is, it can happen like that. 
It can happen like that. Brother Hagen, many times when he prayed, he would pray about a quick work, a quick work. And so there's coming a glorification of his body before we leave. To where we look like, talk like, and act like Jesus. And you know, when we do, it won't take a lot of time to get a whole lot done. There's an intensity taking place of the body flowing together. An intensity. And I'm going to close with this. Man, I'm so glad my voice came back. You know why it came back? Because God wanted you to hear this. Intensity. For years and years and years, prophets prophesied of the coming of the Lord. But one day he was born of a virgin. And he lived on this earth for 33 years. In the first 30 years, we know that it was different than the last three years. But it was all getting him ready for the culmination of Calvary's cross. And in that three years, when he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, it just, it picked up. It picked up. The intensity picked up. And that's where we're at now in the body of Christ. Things have been prayed out, prophesied out, prayed up, prayed down. Not just for decades, but for years and years and years and years. We see a pattern in the master. But at the very end, and this little sliver, come on. And this little sliver of time, there's coming intensification of signs, wonders, miracles. Harvest time is here. I announce to you, as part of the body of Christ, let's come on up higher. Let's go from down here and let's go up here and let's do and let's pray and let's shout and let's dance in the will and in the plan of God. And I rest my case in Jesus' name. Whoa, stand up, everybody. Stand up, everybody. Woo, glory to God. Say with me, I am part of the body of Christ. As a church in the Bay Area, all of us together make up one body. But we all together are part of the greater body of Christ. We have our assignments. We answer your call. Now pray this prayer from your heart for the whole body, not just for yourself. Pray this. God of my Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, give unto your body the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding may it be flooded with light. Let's raise our hands and thank Him right now. Glory to God. Glory to God.